All right. Well, good morning. Good morning. Welcome to Nona Church. Uh, my name is Andrew. I serve as the pastor of spiritual formation here. Uh, and I'm so excited about what God is going to do here today. Whether you are a first-time guest wondering if this is a place for you to call home, maybe you showed up and you're a skeptic or a doubter wondering, what is this whole church thing really about? Or perhaps you came today and you are burdened, and you're heavy, and you're hurting, and you're looking for help. Or maybe you showed up and you're just curious to know what is next, what is in front of me. However you came today, I am so glad you're here and I am confident that God has something to say to you today and a next step to put in front of you. And so let's begin to listen in to God as he speaks to us and works among us by listening to his word in Ecclesiastes 4 verses 9 through 12. This is God's word to us today. Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I ask that you would work in our midst. Would your Holy Spirit blow through and work through these words to change us, to help us. God, to bind us up where we're hurting, to encourage us where we're weary. God, to convict us where we're out of line with you and ultimately to shape us, to make us more like you. We ask these things in the name of Jesus. And Nona Church says, Amen. So when Arielle, my wife, and I got engaged 11 years ago, one of the big questions that we were asking was this. Where were we going to live? You see, we had grown up in different cities. We went to different universities. And for all my Florida Gator fans out there, in all kinds of weather, we all stick together, even after what happened on Thursday. And so there was no default starting point for our Marriage. Now, we could have chosen uh, to live where her family was. We could have chosen to live where my family was, where either of us had built up solid community in college. But instead, we chose to move to a place where we had no family, we had no built in community of friends, and a place neither of us had ever lived before Orlando. And now, if you're thinking that's not a wise decision, you would be correct. See, although the the great thing about Orlando was that it was new, but the tough thing about Orlando was that everything was new. The neighborhoods were new. The jobs were new. The church was new. The people around us were new, and our marriage was brand new. And you'll see behind you a picture of us um, as we move to Orlando. This is... Us entering our first apartment together and me rocking a solid stash. And these people look really happy, don't they? These people had no idea what they were doing. Because our first year in Orlando was really, really hard. Because we navigated so much new. We did so without people that we knew or that knew us well. And it really hurt a lot of the time. Because even though we were surrounded by people, all these new people, we didn't know them, and they didn't know us, and we often felt alone 
and unknown. Have you ever felt that way? Alone and unknown? Maybe on your first day in middle school. Maybe your first day at a new job. Uh, Perhaps when you finally began to ask the questions you'd always been scared to ask. Or when the person that you always had counted on to be there suddenly wasn't anymore. See, whatever our cultural background, our personality type, stage of life, or preferred pace of life, none of us want to live life alone and unknown because all of us need to know and be known by other people. And it's this hardwired necessity for relationship that the author of Ecclesiastes uncovers in the passage we just read together. And as we study this text, this is the big idea that we'll unpack together. If you're taking notes in your formation journal or perhaps in our Nona Church app, this is our big idea. We need each other. We need each other for the pursuit, the problems, and the pilgrimage. We need each other for the pursuit, the problems, and the pilgrimage. And so let's start with the first part first. We need each other for the pursuit. Ecclesiastes 4.9 says this, Two are better than one because they have a good reward for their toil. I'm not sure what it's like for those of you that uh, used to raise young boys or those of you that are currently raising young boys, but in my household, the most dreaded thing I can say to my boys is, Boys, go clean up your toys. They hate it. They would rather... I mean, they would rather do pretty much anything. They would fold laundry, do the dishes, scrub the tub, anything except for clean up their toys. But every once in a while, a magical thing happens in my home. And cleaning up toys becomes a competition to see who can put away the most things the quickest. And this activity that normally takes 45 minutes of me poking and prodding and reminding and pushing them to try and clean up their toys suddenly becomes like a 10-minute game where the frowns turn upside down and cleaning happens on warp speed. See, this is the kind of picture that we see in verse 9 of Ecclesiastes 4. Working on your own can feel like a drain, but working with someone else, it can energize you and push you forward to pursue what's in front of you. It's the basic idea of teamwork. I think teamwork I mean, it's helpful for pretty much every human endeavor, whether you're part of a family, you play a sport, or you work for a business. Teamwork matters. But what what is the endeavor of the church? What is the work that we've been given? What is it that we are called to pursue? Now, if church has been part of your life for a while, you may know that different churches have different ways of doing things. But regardless of how any individual church may define or apply their values, habits, and practices, every church that takes their cues from the Bible has the same basic pursuit. It's the one that Jesus passed on to his disciples many times and in many places, but perhaps most famously in Matthew 28, 18 through 20, when Jesus said this to his disciples before ascending into heaven. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always. To the end of the age. Now at Nona, we give language to this pursuit in our mission statement, which says this We help every person know and take their next best step 
in following Jesus. And so from our neighborhoods out to the nations, we are about pursuing people. Pursuing people with the love of God, both in word and in deed. And so this is our pursuit, to pursue people with God's love. Why is it that we need each other to make it happen? Why isn't helping other people to walk in the way of Jesus just the individual work of individual followers of Jesus? I think that what Jesus prays in John 17 begins to clue us in to the answer. When Jesus prays this, he prays, I do not ask for these only. He's talking about the disciples at his time. But also for those who will believe in me through their word. And so that's us and everyone else across the globe and throughout history that has followed Jesus since the time of the disciples. Jesus is praying for us here. And he says this, I pray that they may all be one. Just as you, Father, are in me and I in you, that they also may be in us, don't miss this, so that the world may believe that you have sent me. Now, there's a lot to unpack in this one sentence, but we're just going to look at one thing here in the text. And it's this, pursuing people requires pursuing unity. Pursuing people requires pursuing unity. Now, I taught on this a few weeks ago back in our mini-series on Psalm 8. But again, we see here that as humans made in the image of God, we are created for unity in our diversity in an analogous way to how God is Trinity. Three distinct persons in God the Father, God the Son, and God the Holy Spirit, yet one God in substance and in essence. In a similar way, we are unique individuals with diverse backgrounds, different giftings, yet we're called together to be the one people of God with one shared mission to the world. And what we see here is that neither diversity nor unity is meant to be optional within the church because unity in our diversity is essential to making God's love tangible and pleasantly perplexing to those around us, to a watching world who does not yet know, follow, or believe in Jesus. In his book, The Beautiful Community, Dr. Irwin Ince Jr., he taps into this idea when he writes this, the church's most powerful witness to the world, that Jesus is real, is the supernatural life of God's people united in beautiful, diverse community. See, the world should look at the church in amazement and wonder, asking, how did that happen? How did people with such differences come together and commit to staying together in spite of the difficulty? Now, if you are here this morning, I can guarantee that you are sitting in a row either next to or near to someone who thinks, who feels, who acts, and dare I say in the political season ahead of us, votes different than you. I can guarantee it. And I'm happy about that. I am happy you are in a Sunday morning service where there are people that are not like you next to you. But as we have said for many years now at Nona, you are missing out if all that you experience of Nona Church is a Sunday morning because circles do what rows can't. 
Now, in these rows that you're sitting in, we get to do incredible things. We gather together. We lift our voices. We sing and worship God. We're shaped by his word as it's preached to us. But when we get together in these smaller circles, in these communities of individuals, we get to share stories. We get to share life. We get to share in our common calling to walk in the way of Jesus. We believe that life is better in circles because circles are where the nitty-gritty work of actually taking our next best steps and following Jesus really happens. And later I'll talk about how practically you can do this work, but let me tell you, find your circle today. Find your circle of people where you can build a friendship with someone who is different than you. Women, Join Anona Women Bible Study. Start cross-generational conversations with other ladies. Men, jump into Anona Men Table Group. Get to know guys with different dreams, different habits, and different jobs than you. Skeptics, doubters, new believers, or long-term believers who are looking to reorient yourself around why you believe, what you believe, and come to Alpha Bring your big questions and your big doubts about life and God at Alpha and meet people who have different questions and different doubts than you. Students, and join a Sunday night small group. Share life with, get to know students. Build meaningful friendships with people who experience life different than you do. And all of us, Man, let's be stretched. Let's be courageous to relate across lines of difference. And there's a bunch of them. And they threaten to divide us and to pull us apart from each other. But relate to each other across lines of difference and fill the gap with trust when there's people you meet that you do not understand. See, we need to know and be known by people who aren't just like us so that we would embody God's nature and character for our neighbors and for the nations so that they might see, that they might taste and see that God is good. We need each other for the pursuit. Second, we need each other for the problems. Ecclesiastes 4.10 says, For if they fall, one will lift up his fellow. But woe to him who is alone when he falls and has not another to lift him up. In 2003, Aaron Ralston was hiking alone in the Slot Canyons of Utah when a boulder fell on him. You'll see a picture of him right here. And this boulder pinned his arm to the canyon wall. With no one around to help him and no way to communicate to his friends or family, Aaron was trapped for five days in that canyon until he had to make the terrible choice to break off and cut off his own arm so that he could escape with his life barely. Now, I think that we can all agree that the moral of this story is to always stay inside the AC and never go hiking or camping. No, but I I think that what happened to Aaron, it shows us the dangers of isolation and the importance of community, especially especially when things go wrong. Now, we can choose to do life alone. That's a choice you can make. We can do that out of a sense of independence or out of a wounded place of not wanting to be hurt by other people again. But I wonder, I wonder how many of us who have made that choice are walking around with amputated emotions 
and wounded hearts because no one was there when we needed someone the most. And when we fall down hard or when life falls into pieces around us, we need people. Right before Jesus' disciples were proverbially pinned to the wall by the boulder of Jesus' betrayal, torture, and crucifixion, this is what Jesus said to them. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. And by this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. On the eve of the biggest problem, the night before, the worst day that the disciples would ever endure, Jesus called them to this, to care for, to love each other. See, when troubles fall on us, Jesus calls us to give to each other what we have received from him. And what we've received from Jesus is a love that's present and intentional. I mean, as God in heaven, Jesus chose to take on flesh, to humble himself, to come to earth as a man and live here among us so that his love could be tangibly known to us. And during his earthly ministry, I mean, we see this if you read the Gospels, Jesus slowed down. He listened to people. He looked them in the eye. He saw them. And he spoke specifically to their hurts, their worries, their doubts, their pains. And it's this kind of intentional, present love that we have received from Jesus that we're called to share with each other. I mean, when you can't bear the weight of what presses in on you, you need someone else to shoulder the burden with you, to bring the light of the love of Jesus into your darkest moments And this isn't just a selfish thing, though, because there are other people being crushed by their circumstances, and they need you. They need you to love them like Jesus does, to be present in their life, intentional with your care, and to lighten their load. And this is why we offer environments where you can be open and honest about what you're struggling with, and where you can receive loving wisdom, wise counsel from people who know what they're talking about. In Financial Peace University, you can learn to relate to money in a way that doesn't enslave you to it, but that frees you to use it to love God and bless others. I mean, just this last spring in Financial Peace, uh, the class members got out from under the weight of $63,543 of debt. That's amazing. And if money... And your relationship to it has you pinned. Please come to financial peace. Find freedom with others. And rebuild group. I mean, you can learn to tell the story of your trauma, to trace back, to retell, to re encounter what's happened to you, and then to find healing in a safe community. In Nona marriage, couples, you can find a better way forward with your spouse. Instead of staying stuck in the same unhealthy cycles of thought and action. And known to moms, mothers, you can gain fresh hope, fresh perspective, fresh new next steps on how to parent these kids. See, when a boulder falls on you, whether that's in the form of anxiety or overwhelm, a diagnosis, a job loss, 
an unexpected life change, the death of a loved one, a problem that you just can't solve, who will you call for help? Who will show up to help you get out from under the emotional, physical, mental, or spiritual rock that has you pinned? I think the saddest stories that I hear and that our church staff hears are not just when something tragic happens in a person's life, but when something tragic happens in a person's life because they didn't have people. They didn't have people to warn them away from the foolish decisions that they made that led to destruction in their life. They didn't already invest in relationships when all was well so that when everything went sideways, no one was there to love them and to help them. And if you do not have people in your life, if you do not have your circle that will come around you when everything goes wrong, let me plead with you, please, Take a first step today. Be courageous and find your circle because you need people and other people need you too because we need each other for the problems. Third and finally, we need each other for the pilgrimage. We need each other for the pilgrimage. Ecclesiastes 4, 11 through 12 says this. Again, if two lie together, they keep warm. But how can one keep warm alone? And though a man might prevail against one who is alone, two will withstand him. A threefold cord is not quickly broken. Now this last image that the author of Ecclesiastes gives us, this is not a romantic scene. This is not about a couple snuggling together by a warm fire. No, no, this is, this is actually a survival scene. This is a picture of two people on a journey together. And it is a cold night. And they lay down back to back with their cloaks as their blankets and their body heat shared against their backs is the only way to make it through the night. When, after they wake up, they're going to go on a long and treacherous journey, have to face thieves, robbers, bandits, people that are going to attack them, and they'll have to defend each other. What we see here in this image is the safety the resilience and the strength that's found when we share the journey with other people instead of traveling solo. And this picture of a dangerous journey to a far-off destination, uh, this is actually a picture of the Christian life. This is a picture of the church that we see repeated across the story of the Scriptures. In the book of Hebrews, the author describes the church as a people on pilgrimage to the promised land. Uh, The author, he draws from the story in the Old Testament of Israel, whom God has rescued out of slavery in Egypt and then brought into the desert for a long desert journey to get them to the promised land of Canaan. And using this imagery, the church is described as a people whom God rescued from slavery to sin whom he brings into the difficulties and the trials of this life, leading them through the desert seasons in order to get us to the promised land of the new heavens and the new earth. This means that if you are a Christian this morning, you are a pilgrim. This earth is not your home. You have not yet reached your final destination, and everything you do should be invested with heavenly purpose. But much like Israel of old and that original exodus, and we forget. We forget who we are. We forget what we're doing. We forget where we're going. We fall into aimlessly ambling 
through the days and the weeks and the months and the years. And all of a sudden, we don't know where we are or how we got here or what even we were trying to accomplish with our life in the meantime. We falsify our own identity. We relate to ourselves. We talk about ourselves as if we're self-made and we're self-directed adventurers. And we choose where we want to go. And we know what's best. We chart our own course. You know, in the speed of life, in the demands of others, and in the self-deception of our own hearts, we forget what story we're part of and where we're headed. We forget that we're citizens of heaven and that the best is not now, but that the best is to come. That even when we seek justice and goodness and mercy and compassion here, we're bringing heaven to earth. We're preparing for our final destination and our forever home. But in order to make this pilgrimage, we need each other. We need each other to bring reminders and refreshment along the way. To help each other remember the glorious future that God the Father has promised to us. To call each other back to trust in Jesus' death and resurrection as the guarantee of our belonging to God. We need each other to encourage each other to drink deeply of the refreshing presence of the Holy Spirit. This is what the author of Hebrews reminds us of when he writes, and let us consider how to stir up one another to love and to good works, not neglecting to meet each other, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another, and all the more as you see the day drawing near. You see, walking in the way of Jesus, it is a personal choice, but it is not an individual endeavor. Walking in the way of Jesus, it is a personal choice, but it is not an individual endeavor. Because from beginning to end, we need each other to keep taking these next best steps in following Jesus. I mean, this is why way back in January, we started this community Bible reading plan and our formation journals. Now, I'll tell you, I've not been anywhere close to perfect in my formation journal reading. I am not you know, five for five every week. But I'll say this. I've never been so motivated and encouraged to be consistent in my Bible reading in my life. Because there's this beautiful thing that happens when I open my formation journal. I see the scripture in front of me and the question for me to reflect on. And I know y'all are doing the same thing. There are hundreds of other people in my church family, reading the same parts of Scripture, asking the same questions, and hearing from the same Holy Spirit that day. And whether you had no clue that we ever did formation journals, or you never opted in earlier this year, or perhaps way back in Leviticus you said, no, 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 I'm not doing this anymore, or perhaps you've been pretty consistent, I would encourage you to grab a formation journal today. Today we have our September through December edition. You can grab one out in the lobby or in the back, or you can go to the Nona Church app and find a digital version of it as well. But let's do this together. Let's journey together in God's word. And now what's, what's true in this broad sense that we're all on pilgrimage together, and that is true, like as a church community of Nona Church, like we are headed one place together. I think we also not need to like narrow in our lens and look on the micro side. Like if we're all on this journey as a big group, who's standing right next to you? Who's pitching their tent next to yours? 
who's helping you, encouraging you, reminding you, giving you a glass of water when you get tired and thirsty along the way. Who's stirring your affections for Jesus? Who's stoking your hope for the beauty, wonder, and joy of what Jesus is doing now and what Jesus will do when he comes back to make all things new? I'll tell you this. You can find your people here. You can find your people in Nona Latino. As the Latino community in our church creates intentional spiritual friendships over coffee, food, prayer, and celebrations. You can find your people in Nona YA as the young adult community in our church explores how to love Jesus in all of life over games of pickleball and Bible studies and worship gatherings. I mean, you can find your people in Nona 55 Plus as the most likely to be relaxed community in our church (laughs) builds friendships and faith in perhaps the most fun slate of ministry events in our church but also in some of the deepest conversations and most wisdom-filled studies of God's word too. And you can find your people in community group by choosing to share life with a small group of people as you study the Bible, eat together, pray, celebrate, and grieve together, encouraging each other to keep walking in the way of Jesus. You can find your people here at Nona. But instead of just asking you to take my word at that, I'd love for you to hear from three people who have found their people. And so as Juan, Elaine, and Jennifer come up, would you welcome them up front here? Awesome. Welcome on up, guys. So Juan, uh, you know, we talk a lot here at Nona, and you've heard it, I'm sure, a lot about taking your next best step in following Jesus. And in your personal journey of doing that here at Nona, I know that you have been courageous to take a lot of next steps. Would you tell us a little bit about what are some of the main next steps you've taken and how that shaped you? Thank you, Andrew. Uh, Yes, taken many great steps. Uh, First big gigantic step I took was allowing Jesus to be my savior. And um, so at the time I was in a really dark place and I just prayed, God, if you get me out of this mess, I'll follow you. And he was like, bet, you're on the team. (laughs) (laughs) So so things started to happen. I got married, had kids, moved to Orlando, and then COVID happened. Uh, So I took my next best step was to immerse myself in the word. Uh, But I I was doing it by myself, so I found myself just fact-checking and stats and just looking at the curriculum of everything. And God, again, was like, you're onto something, but you're not getting it. So um, he buys, a, buys me a house in Lake Nona. Thank you. Awesome. <laughs> At the time, before the market went up. So, uh, <laughs> my man. Um, <laughs> so, uh, fortunate, be- North Lake Park, beautiful, had basketball courts, started playing basketball. Matt came up to me. Uh, one of the guys over there told me about uh, Nona Church and the guys, a couple basketball uh, Church guys were playing basketball early morning. Decided to, hey, it's basketball. Why not? Um, go, started going there. I met Todd. Todd told me about uh, Nona Men. Started inviting me. I was like, whoa, that's way out there. It's way out of the box. Uh, but finally, was, uh, had the opportunity to go. I met Andrew there. Uh, it was a room full of 60 guys I didn't know. He was very welcoming, which kind of eased the situation. And then I saw Todd. Gave me a familiar face. Uh, joined... Um, his table, then we had the breakout tables. Uh, 
that has been the greatest step in all that because being around men uh, taught me how to be vulnerable, taught me to listen, be patient, uh, see other men walking in their situations, allowed me to take a, uh, a look at my situation in a calmer way. And because I was able to be vulnerable, uh, March 5th when uh, Colin was doing the sermon about uh, last words, that's when I felt Jesus tell me, you've done all this, but you haven't let me all the way in. And finally, because of the vulnerability I, I was able to share with the men, uh, he, I, I opened up, I felt his hand go all the way to my chest and just pull out what the darkness was controlling me for the last like 25 years. All my decisions and everything was all based on that. And I, I was like in tears, like, and such a joy and peace came over my body and it was just unbelievable. So doing it by yourself, no, I, I felt the pressure, even trying to learn, it was still pressure. But once you're around community and you're talking to other people who are, who are trying to achieve the same things, you're able to share and you're able to feel. And God taught me love and vulnerability, emotions that I didn't know that I could have. And just being able to be around people that are not just talking about money and sports and just going out. It was true, worthy conversation, intentional conversations, and just whole entire just love being and just felt a great spirituality and just and excited for the next step and just being involved. Amen. Thank you for sharing. Praise the Lord. So Elaine, uh, you moved here two years ago, and I'm so glad that you did. Uh, it's really beautiful. You not only are a member of different circles of community, but you're also a leader, too. Like, you're actively creating spaces for other people to come and build family and grow relationships. Uh, I'd love to hear, you know, when you showed up, why was it so important for you to find your people right away? And how has that changed your experience of these last two years? Okay. Well... Okay, sorry. <laughs> um, it was really important uh, for me to find my people here because I felt alone, and I don't like to feel alone. Um, I grew up in a family of six, and so um, I never had a room of my own. Um, <clears throat> pardon me. And I also went to college. I had two roommates. I had five roommates when I started flying for TWA. I guess that dates me. Anyhow. Um, <laughs> Anyhow, I met my husband, and then we had two boys, and um, so my life was always full. And then my boys moved away to college, and my husband ended up dying of cancer when I was 50 years old. Um, I didn't like the feeling of being alone, and all of a sudden I was. Um, so God has taken me on a journey, and what I've found is that just because I'm alone doesn't mean I have to be lonely. Um, it's a, there's a difference, and I think um, finding people in smaller groups is what's really worked for me. Um, when I moved here, Nona Church made it so easy. I moved here to be near my son and uh, his family, and um, he was coming here. Uh, you guys had serve days even before I came. I participated in three, um, had the t-shirts. <laughs> so, so I knew I was going to come to this church, but I really didn't know anybody, but um, I got into a couple of different small groups. Uh, yeah, too, I had plenty of time. And I loved it. I, I really felt seen and heard there. And uh, like his testimony, when you pray together, when you talk about spiritual things and about our Lord, you do come closer to one another. And so that 
that, um, that helped me. And then I ended up getting into some larger groups that, uh, like Nona Moms, which I really recommend if you're a mom and you just would like um, the wisdom of some older women. And uh, it's just a, a good venue. And then also I've gotten involved in uh, 55 plus, which is great. Just like he said, we are very relaxed, but we also laugh, laugh a lot. We have a lot in common. Uh, we share a lot of history, you know, that we know um, styles that only we dressed in. And um, <laughs> Just a lot of different things, but we laugh a lot there, and it breaks down. I mean, we may have big events, but we break down into smaller groups so that you feel seen. So um, the small groups have been really um, important to me to feel as a part of, of this church because when you walk in here and there's so many people, it's, it's daunting until you find the familiar faces that you've met in the small groups, and then it's okay because you, can, you find your people, and that's so important. So thank you for this sermon. It is really, it's really important that you become known. Thanks for sharing. Thank you, Jennifer. <laughs> and Jennifer, I know you, know you were at Nona for a bit before you decided to take your first step into you know, joining a circle, finding community. Um, tell us a little bit about you know, what was going on that caused you to be cautious to take that first step. And what would you say to the person that's sitting here today and feels the exact same way on the fence about whether or not they actually want to join a circle? Well, for me, it was mainly my own insecurities of um, do I even have a place? Is there a spot for me at the table? Um, I didn't want to be a burden, so I didn't really understand the why. Why even join community and small groups? Um, so I would definitely tell who's ever on the fence, uh, especially for the same reasons as me, is that there's always been a spot for you at the table. Yeah. Um, a perfect spot for you. We're just waiting for you. It has your name, and you're going to fit perfectly in. Um, Jesus loves to do life with us, and this is what these small groups are intended to do. We're called to do life with you, so we're excited to join you in, in um, your life journey. Um, and I wish I knew back then that joining communities, small groups, um, that was going to be one of the best things that has ever happened to me. Um, it's been part of my recovery. I found a mentor through community and small groups. I found a mentor for my son. Um, they do life with me. They meet me where I'm at, which is what God does with you all the time. He meets you where you're at. Um, all I needed to do was take that very small yet so significant step yes. of actually joining a small group or a community. So best thing that has ever happened to me. I love it. Can we thank these three for being brave? Thank you.